Hello and welcome to the International Schools Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and on the podcast, we discuss all aspects of technology and life in international schools, with new episodes live every two weeks. We focus on people who are currently working in schools, and we talk about life in their current country and dive into some specific topics. The podcast is brought to you by Acer for Education. People always ask what Chromebooks we recommend and what Windows laptops we recommend, and after trying literally all of them, we always recommend Acer. If you'd like to get more info and try out some devices, please just go to gg.gg forward slash Acer Education. That's gg.gg forward slash Acer Education, and we'll get right back to you. Also, the podcast is brought to you by Apps Events. We're a Google partner. We work all around the world. We've just got one piece of new information right now. This is in, in January 2021. We're a G Suite Enterprise for Education partner. That's Giuseppe. This is a bunch of premium tools available to people using Google at their schools. We can help you get set up with a free one-month trial. So please check out the link in the show notes, and we'll do that right away. And now, on to the Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm delighted to be talking to Pete Clements, who I met in Bangkok face to face. We both took a postgraduate course called the PGCEI, which we're going to talk about today at Nottingham University, but we took it in Bangkok and I'll explain how that works as well. Pete is an English teacher in Thailand and also has written some books and done a lot of interesting stuff. So welcome to the podcast, Pete. Cheers. Good, Alex. So this is interesting for me because we, we were sitting next to each other on the course. That's where we met. So we went out, you know, went for beer and stuff. How you got into teaching and stuff and how you ended up in Thailand. So it'd just be great to start from the beginning, I guess. And, and what, what did you do at university? And then what, what did you, you do in the world of work? I did a degree in English language and communication. And then um, I did a, a master's straight after. I did an MSc in cognitive psychology um, related to language as well. Um, and then I, yeah, I moved pretty much straight into teaching from then after a year, after a year in insurance, looking for work and I moved into teaching. Um, so I've been, been teaching now over a decade. Um, and I've, yeah, I was in Korea for a bit. I've been in Vietnam for a short time. Um, did some training, some teacher training in Hungary and a little bit in Spain, back to the UK and now Thailand. So, so how, did, how did all these things come about? You mentioned, was that, was that your partner was working in these places or did you, did you apply for jobs in different countries? Like if you start, maybe start from the beginning, like how did you end up going to all these different places? Because some, some quite interesting countries there, pretty varied. The, the first one was, I mean, it's one of those things uh, when I left uni, there wasn't a lot of opportunities, uh, work opportunities. So I uh, used the skills I had and um, uh, that I'd gained on the, the degrees and the courses I'd done and I, I applied for the EPIC scheme in Korea. That's a, it's a government scheme. So they had like an English teacher in every, in every government school um, over there for a period of time. And I think they've uh, decreased that now. Um, yeah. But um, so I signed on for that and I went over to Busan, um, yeah. south of the south of South Korea and was there for a couple of years. And that really started me off. I really got into the teaching then. I did do, when I was at university, I did do a training course there's the equivalent of like a CELTA course, which is the one month training um, to get into English language teaching. It's an initial teacher training, but it's, um, it's, it's an intense course for a month, but it's not the most um, rigorous. It kind of gives you the course, some core skills to hit the ground running really. So I had that. And um, after, after teaching for 
um, couple of years, I realised, yep, this is what I want to do. So I started to look into things like the diplomas for um, Delta and DIPTESOL um, courses and did a diploma in teaching English language. That's interesting. We could do a whole episode on this, but I mean, from what I know about the English, you know, ELT, uh, you know, teaching English as a foreign language is like, there's a huge spectrum of, of qualification of there's like people who are like in Prague. Okay. If you take an example where I live in Prague, there's tons of people who are English teachers because they just come here and it's a job they can get. They don't have any skills or they might have a very short course. I don't think it's a CELTA one. I think there's even maybe a shorter one and they, and they really have not. And it's kind of an entry level job. And then at the other end of the spectrum is probably someone like you, who's like, you know, studied a lot of the psychology of language learning and everything. And then there's probably a spectrum in between, but there's, there's a very big difference, I guess, in terms of if someone says you're an English teacher, it could mean pretty much anything, you know? Yeah, you're right. I mean, my, my neighbor actually, he's been struggling for work. He's a financial advisor. And uh, I asked him how he was doing and he said, oh, I've, I've been picking up a bit of, bit of English teaching. He's never done it in his life. You yeah. know, and uh, he's, he's finding a way to get to get by you know um so yeah the spectrum is is pretty broad um yeah. without a doubt um but you know that doesn't mean that people that um haven't necessarily followed a path of getting qualifications are good at teaching some of them are um, but most certainly are i imagine yeah, um, yeah. yeah definitely definitely yeah. cool so, so where did you obviously career that's that's pretty cool where did you how did you end up in these other places then I went to do, um, after Korea, um, did a little bit of traveling and then um, did a training course in, in Hungary. So that was the CELTA proper because I had a CELTA equivalent and I thought I'll, I'll, um, I'll get the CELTA um, proper. Yeah. Um, and then was doing just random things like, like winter camps and stuff in Spain um, while there was the opportunity available. Uh, settled in England for a couple of years while uh, my wife was doing the PGCE. She was teaching in Korea with me. Um, I kind of dragged dragged her over there. Um, we we actually met uh, <laughs> uh, about two months before I took that job. We met at an English language teaching summer camp in England, and I said I'm off to Korea. And uh, so we only knew each other for two months, and then she came and joined me uh, <laughs> over there. So it was a bold move. But yes, hence I um, then went to back to England while she wanted to do her PGCE. So it was a bit of a compromise, you know. And I was yeah. teaching in language schools there, which was, it was great. That's where I did my um, diploma, my DIPTESOL, which is Trinity College London qualification. Like, it takes about nine months to do that one. Um, did that. And then it was, where are we going to go? Where's next? Once once my wife had finished her NQT year. And um she chose she chose thailand right she chose she chose bangkok she got a job at a school called bangkok patana they took her straight after her nqt year and um i started work at the british council i started in vietnam for a, a summer school period and then came over to, to thailand and joined her interesting do you ever think i mean a lot of uh, international schools like really like teaching couples and in a way it's it's a great it's a great way to do it as well especially if you have children you know because then you can get you know tuition fees paid for two or more children in that case is that something you thought of like to try to work at the same school and get the benefits of that and have the convenience of you being at the same school as uh i guess your child's pretty young still it doesn't that doesn't affect you now but is that something you thought about for now or in the future try and do that uh i think that works for some people i don't know how well if us work at the same school as as much bit mixing you know um work and home life and stuff but yeah, it's nice to, yeah, have, yeah, nice to have it separate but i mean 
I wouldn't be averse to it, you know? I mean, possibly. But yeah, I know that sometimes when, um, if some, some people come over to international schools as like a trailing spouse, right? So I had teaching qualifications, so I wanted to pursue like a bit, a different type of route. Working at the British Council is, um, you know, it's a good job in ELT. And I wanted to follow that path, but sometimes some training spouse, spouses will work possibly in EAL, um, possibly learning support roles. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of these situations. It's possible, it's possible to pick up those type of jobs. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, if you've got a qualified, if you're a qualified teacher, you're laughing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, look, we, there's tons of stuff we could jump into. But what we're going to talk about today is the PGCEI and specifically the one we both did at, at Nottingham University. So, you know, we were we were just saying before we started recording, there's not much, not much written about it really. And you uh, have written some great blog posts, which I've linked about how to, um, you know, what should you do a PGCEI, what's involved, how to get a distinction. I think you did. So, I think that's a great topic to jump into now. I'll start off with why I ended up in Bangkok. I mean, I, I, I run, a, as people listen to this podcast probably know, I run an education technology company, AppsEvents. We're a Google partner and we do training for schools. So I um, worked with schools, but I, was, I, I always worked on the technical side. You know, I've done sysadmin for schools, but I've never, never taught. So for me, I really just wanted to learn more about education. And I, you know what? I thought in the back of my mind about the possibility of working for an international school because I've had kind of approaches to do kind of tech director roles, you know, some, some couple of schools. And I've, I've kind of thought about it. I've kind of pushed it to, to the back of my mind for a while because I'm still really enjoying running apps events. But I, it was two things. One, I wanted to learn about education. And, and two, uh, you know, in, in the case, I did want to work for an international school. But, you know, I think I was very different to most people, you know. I, I don't know if you want to talk about this because you, you, you wrote in your blog post, there was a kind of a range of people, but there's a few specific types of people who, who kind of were applying for the course. Well, yeah, I mean, we met, we met a lot of people on the course that were, um, they had followed the English language teaching route. Some of them had some kind of basic qualification, uh, whether, whether that be a CELTA proper or maybe a 120 hour online TEFL course, these, these type of things, you know, and they'd gone into some form of teaching somewhere, whether it was language teaching or a bilingual school or a state school, like in Thailand was our cohort. Um, so that was like an opportunity for them to maybe like consolidate what they've been doing and add some level of formality and qualification to it. So that was quite, I thought that was quite a common, maybe, I don't know, um, what you'd say, maybe about half of the people on yeah, the course. You're probably right, yeah. Maybe it seems to be like that. Um, there were people that were working at international schools already, um, but they weren't necessarily qualified. They might, the, it depends on the tier of international school. So I don't think we have many people that were working for like the top, top, schools like in Bangkok or you know the extremely sort of top tier um international considered top tier international schools oh, we had some that were working at maybe mid-tier or lower tier schools funny funny term that I've only used it you know since knowing about these international schools but people use it all the time but they, they, they don't use it on the record you know they, they use it like uh you know there is a definite stratification of in people's minds um and yeah, but people don't, it's, it's not something anyone ever talks about, you know, but people do, <laughs> but they, privately, they, they all talk about the tiers, international schools, teachers, you know, you know, yeah. but um, now, and, and in terms of a format, what's interesting is, um, so in terms of Nottingham, there's a four day course in person. And I, was, I just happened to be in Thailand. We, 
ran it. We have a big Google event there and I've, I've been going there for years, you know, so I, one of the guys I work with lives in Bangkok. So I was going to be out there anyway with my family. So I thought I'd do the Bangkok one now, but you can also, you can do this course in multiple locations. Obviously now when we're recording this in COVID, it's all online, but typically I, th I think they're going to return, you know, you can run it across Africa and Middle East. And yeah, I don't know, if, I looked at that website uh, recently actually, and there was something interesting that I've seen pop up. It says become a facilitator for the course. Now, I'm looking into that, funnily enough, you should say that, because I, I, I messaged um, Lucy about it. Lucy's the course director. And I, you know, I said, I'll, I, I wouldn't mind running my own, my own cohort. You know, I think I can organize it better. I think the facilitator effectively, um, it's a recruitment role, I think, pretty much, you know, you, you have to find people, you have to help find people, uh, you help organize it. So I guess you organize a venue because our, our event took place in a hotel. I think some take place in schools, but ours took place in a hotel, quite a nice, quite a nice meeting room. Uh, yeah, and so um, yeah, but, but but a lot of these are run by private organisations. For example, there's a company called I think Stafford Associates. They run the one in in uh, Dubai, or maybe all the ones in the Middle East, even. Um, but yeah, so there are some people, and and you, and you get a fee, or I'm not sure exactly how it works. I'm just I, I haven't got the full details yet. But yeah, you can, you can organise your own cohort or multiple cohorts. The only the only thing when I looked into it, the only thing that I um you know I was just flicking around on the website really. Um, the one thing I wasn't sure about is it says um, that you would take the face-to-face -face, um, component. So you would actually deliver it. So it would be, that's what I saw, which I thought was a little bit, because then the thing is the face-to-face -face component, it was what a, a week, four, four or five days long. Yeah, and days, for yeah. me, that was a really, really important part of the course because the whole other stuff, the whole, the, all the rest of it was online. And so yeah. then you spend the, the, the next nine, 10 months, interacting with people that you've met for five days and you make me quite intensely do a lot of um yeah. activities in that face-to-face -face time but it was extremely important um and it was also important to kind of learn to to build a rapport with your tutors you know definitely and so, not actually sorry exactly let's give everyone a bit of a, a background so the four-day course um there was maybe i don't know 50 people on our course something like that 40 or 50 people i would say um, and there was three tutors came, all came across from the University of Nottingham. Um, and, you know, we had a couple of tasks before the day before we had to do like an introduction, I think, talk about ourselves and what our background was. And then it was straight into it. And it was, I have to say, really, the four days was, was really good. You know, um, I don't know if you've got any feedback about the topics, but I, I, I the high level picture is I, I really, I just, it was the only part of a course I really enjoyed was, was the four days online. I'm not a great online learner. I, I got through it, but it, it was a struggle, but the, the in-person part I thought was really, really good fun. Uh, yeah, I agree. I thought it was great, and I thought they 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 pitched it well as a good sort of re reintroduction to like academic writing and and stuff like that. That some of some features of it, you know, and then it it framed the first unit, the first module, sorry, that yeah. we were working yeah. on about um like um the aims of education in international yeah. context. They didn't organize any social events. I mean, we kind of self-organized and went out uh, once. I don't know if you came along. I think you might've had to go, but there was um, a bit of self-organizing, but like there wasn't much social. Like when I, when I run events, like, I have something like every night, I always make sure people get together. I think that's just as important. That's what I think they maybe fell down on a little bit, but I think the content was, was good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and are you got any thoughts about what, what we covered? I mean, like, like you said, it was an introduction. There, it was, it's very much an introduction. We talked about 
we, in my opinion, it was kind of a few basic educational concepts. We got into like some, some real, like, you know, pr first principles education stuff. And then stuff about academic writing, stuff about research method. It was kind of like a, like a starting point to education and to academic writing, you know, presuming, I guess the audience, pretty much everyone has a degree, but no one's done any postgraduate work. That would be kind of the assumed level, I would say. Yeah, for sure. In the, in the, you mean in the face to face, what did they cover in that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was sort of the reintroduction to, uh, to academic writing. Um, and they focused quite a lot on um, educational aims and the ethos of education, your views towards towards that. And I think that was really good in kind of shaping um, your ideas of like what you, you know, in your context, where you're working and how how relevant it is and or how aligned it is to your own educational values, which... Yeah, yeah. Um, really i think it really helped to leading into that first module because there was a lot of i don't know if you felt this but in the forums there was a lot more discussion a lot more genuine and rich discussion in the first module and i think it stemmed from that face-to-face -face component people were i mean yeah it was the start of the course and people maybe were a bit more driven then but yeah. i feel like the conversation moving into the first module was a lot stronger definitely i think i think we should frame it in terms of what the modules were so uh, like you said, there was there's three modules. So you, you do the face to face. That's kind of just a pass or fail. I think you had to write a couple of small things in, in the course. But you know, everyone, I, I'd be amazed if everyone in the history of it has ever failed the face to face part. And then, and then there's three modules, and you get graded. On you write an assignment for each one. Five thousand words. Um, is it five thousand or four thousand? I can't remember. I've already forgotten. But, but you, you get graded on it on each assignment. Now. Uh, We'll talk about it in a second about what the modules were. Uh, I found writing that first assignment really hard. Like I haven't, um, I studied engineering, you know, so I haven't written a lot of essays. Um, I, I found it hard. Like I think if you've never done postgraduate study, I think, I think if you've done an art degree where you've had to write essays, you'll find it pretty easy. But I think if you come from a science background, you might struggle. I mean, but I got through it. So I think it's easy to get through it. I don't know what you think about the format and how people can approach it. It's interesting. Uh, one person I was talking to quite a lot uh, on the course was someone who was, he was already teaching at an international school uh, in Bangkok, but he had he was um, a master's uh, in science. Yeah, he was a physics. He was a physics teacher, and um, his academic writing was mostly you know science based, and he was quite worried uh, hearing that it was all going to be qualitative based research and it went more like social science oriented. Um, and it just wasn't his writing style. So that was something, even, you know, very knowledgeable guy and obviously ended up doing really well on the course and, and was able to um, get that style, that writing style, but it is very different. Um, and he feared that. Um, and I actually did a lot of, for my BA, I did a lot more qualitative research and for my MSc, I did a lot more quantitative. And um, I, I converted at the time. Um, thinking that I wasn't a fan of qualitative research and I wanted something a little bit more, I felt like at the time, a bit more meaty, you know, a bit more um, with some some numbers. I wanted some data, yeah, some yeah. some not, you know, okay, I haven't really put that well, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I just yeah, wanted yeah. something. And um, I was looking forward to going back to uh, the writing style of the PGCI where um, you can be a little bit more exploratory, not really come come to some... We don't have to come to conclusions necessarily in the same yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I mean, it was, um, 
I mean, and like I say, in, in the in the in the four day in person part, they covered a lot of stuff about how you approach, you know, the writing style. They talked everything from the beginning, like referencing and stuff as well. Um, but they were very open ended kind of assignments. Do you want to do you want to say a bit about what the three modules were? Um, I don't know if you want to kick it off. I mean, we, but basically, there's three modules, and and there's no options. So you couldn't choose. You didn't have any options. You had to take all three and write an essay three was the only option. You could also do. Um, an audio presentation. I don't know. I'd be amazed if anyone did it. It looked a bit complicated, but you could do like a, was it an audio or a video presentation as an option? But most people, I think, wrote the essay or everyone. Yeah. So you started with module one was educational aims and values in international contexts. So it explored um, a lot about educational codes. There was that key text um, from Mike Bottery. He was at the university and he talked about the codes of education the um, culture, education for cultural transmission, education for um, the ecological code of education and the economic code, things like this. Um, and basically where you're aligned, what you feel the value of education is. There was a lot of exploring that. That was uh, in the first module. Um, we had to do process work to show that we'd um, read and um, developed an opinion on um, the core reading. So that was like a thousand word process work. And then we went into an essay about um, kind of critiquing the educational aims of our own context. Yeah. And then module two was um, understanding teaching and learning in international contexts. So that was, it was basically going from broad general uh, overriding principles towards um, looking more at the pedagogical aspects uh, of the teaching and learning and the approaches used and critiquing their value in relation to your context. Yep. So that that one had, um, that module had a lot of spin-offs because there were so many different um, backgrounds um, of the of the cohort, the candidates on the cohort. So you did core modules, which were talking about um, understanding theories of learning, your classic ones like um, your um, Skinner, Vygotsky, um, Piaget, um, and then more more recent research like the cognitive psychology um, research and memory related memory and cognition that's come up a lot recently. And then there were spin-offs that you could do some optional um, uh, mini mini units there on things like EAL, like I did, and then there were other things like questioning techniques or oracy things like this. Yeah. Um, so then you you looked at your own context um, and you looked at the approaches that were being used and you critique them um, for their value in that. So I, I was looking at project-based learning because um, that's what we were using at the British Council at the time and looking at the value of that in my particular context. And then the final the final module, module three, was a bit of independent research uh, and it was only qualitative-based. So it was essentially a research methods um research methods module that focused quite a lot on ethics. I thought there was quite a lot covered on that, uh, research yeah. ethics. And then you devised your own independent um, small scale, very small scale qualitative research project. Yeah, although we, we got some kind of strange exemptions because of COVID where like, we didn't actually have to run the project did ourselves, we could compare against existing literature and things, didn't we? Which is what I did. In one yeah, of there was a few contingencies, yeah things in place yeah. now. That's, that's a really good overview of, of the three, I think. And in terms of logistically how it works, like you're you're on Moodle, which is a real pain. It's a kind of a very dated 
learning management system, LMSVLA, in my opinion. But I mean, I'm in the, I'm in the technology business. So I see it like that. Maybe some people don't mind it. But um, you basically have a discussion forum and you have to participate in the discussion as you go along. So everything uh, you have to participate in. Um, and I, that was quite good, actually. I mean, there were some interesting discussions on there. I mean, you know, a lot of pieces, some modules I was by the end, I was just, I mean, a lot, half the course was just filling in a bunch of discussions on the last day just to get through it, you know, I think, you know. Um, and then you wrote the assignment. Now, what you said before, I think is really interesting. Like, people were a lot keener and more engaged on the first module. I, I don't know about this format, you know. It's, um, the face-to-face was great. First module was still close. I just think, you know, distance learning is so hard. And there wasn't any video chat. There was no, like, synchronous chat between the group. We created our own WhatsApp group, which we've still got. And that was the only thing. I wouldn't have got through it without that WhatsApp group. And, and that was just something we, we did. You know, they didn't, the school didn't organize anything. I don't think I would have got through the course without the WhatsApp group personally, you know. I just, there were so many questions I had. I mean, maybe I would have asked for tutors all the questions, but it would have been a lot. Yep, I agree. It, I felt a bit um, sort of cut adrift at times. And um, there were various reasons, I think, they, uh, that the tutors weren't necessarily responsive at certain times. And when COVID hit, it's totally understandable you know there's a lot going on um but uh yeah i I think format wise definitely more webinars um needed throughout the course um seminars um check-ins definitely Mm -hmm. in terms of what the qualification is so i mean you get the pgcei obviously it's not a pgce which is the uk qualification um but it has the same number of postgraduate credits, so which is like a third of a master. So you can transfer them with Nottingham, uh, as what Sunderland I'm doing. There's a bunch of other ones you can transfer the credits to, which is which is good. I mean, I think it operates in a real grey area because it, it, you know, they're, they're very clear on the website. It's not an, a teaching qualification, but it is treated as a teaching qualification. In depending on what school you apply to, and depending on what country you apply to, it is. I mean, it's funny because teachings are very. In a way, it's unregulated. I mean, in the UK, I mean, my understanding is that if you want to work for a local authority state school, you need a PGCE. But if you want to work for a trust or an independent school, they can choose to have whatever qualifications they want. So, you know, you don't even need a PGCE to work for independent school. International schools, like we talked about the, the, the tier, which is a kind of vague level, the international school tiers, the top kind of level typically want a local country teaching qualification, but not always. Uh, and even the ones that say 100% they do, I know people who've worked there without, you know, with a PGCEI or something. And then some countries w- will accept it and some countries won't accept it, you know. So it's a real gray area, but the long and short of it is pretty much everyone on the course or the majority of people on the course were using it to get a teaching job in, in a... Was that your experience? Yeah, and I think there was, there was one... Um... Uh, article we read on the course about the types of international school teacher and that basically uh, said it all that it um, just like you say there's a gray area um, international school teachers are not all the same you know and people come into it with very different backgrounds and I think sometimes other international school teachers or people on the circuit don't necessarily realize how varied um, the you know the, the colleagues they, uh, backgrounds of the colleagues uh, yeah. they have you know and um it's been surprised to me actually that the school i'm working at um surprisingly i've mentioned that i've got the pgci and um people you know one of the pe teachers oh i did that two years ago and one of the year six teachers oh yeah i did that like um five years ago so there's 
far more people than I realized actually did it. And they're working in a good international school, you know, established, very established. It's, you know, um, well, if you think about it, I mean, the, the, the Bangkok cohort that we did, I mean, there's, there's two Bangkok cohorts and say 50 on each, just guess rough number, say a hundred people a year. I mean, that's been going, I, I first looked at this like five or six years ago, you know, at least. So it's been going for at least that length of time, maybe longer. So there's definitely a, probably a couple of, I would say there's probably a couple of thousand people in, or maybe a thousand teachers in Bangkok who, who've got this qualification, which it's not that many teachers, you know? So I guess it's, you know, it's more common than you think, I think. Yeah, sure. I mean, the one thing I would say is, yeah, it's definitely 100% of um, is a gray area uh, qualification, but um, when I look at like forums that uh, talk about, or for example, there's like a Facebook group of um, international educators. And if the PGCEI ever gets mentioned, th there'll be so many people uh, commenting saying, oh, this has no value. And, you know, and um, I mean, that's just not true. It's, it's just not. It's, it's yeah. in certain contexts, it, it might um, definitely have restrictions. I know, for example, someone said in, in Hong Kong, it won't get you work. Um, but then there are other parts of the world where it definitely will. So I think being so sort of... That's not true. I mean, I remember the, the Canadian lady on our course. I'm still in touch with her, actually. Uh, she works in Hong Kong, and she she did the, she was in our cohort, and she's um, got a better job in Hong Kong from having a PGCEI. So even in the place where people will categorically tell you it doesn't work... Well, there you go. See, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it's easy to make these judgments, isn't it? Yeah. It's funny, you know, that's why, like, um, yeah, discussion forums, you know, you get people have these, like, crazy opinions, crazy, like, um, views with an incredible amount of certainty. And then it's just, <laughs> what is things wrong, you know? But they're, they're saying it with such conviction. I mean, you look, you know, usually if it's a forum where you can click on their name, and typically they'll, they'll, they'll post multiple posts on the same topic, if it's their favorite topic, like, why you shouldn't do this qualification or whatever, you know? And then... Yeah. Uh, they're not, they're, that's not right. But it's international school teaching is operates in a gray area. You know, it's the private sector. Um, you've got a, a lot of types of schools, church schools to, to non-profit, obviously to, to for-profit schools, to schools that are quasi-local. Um, and even that is nebulous because there's non-profit schools that have a consulting fees and the consulting fee is the owner of the school. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a strange industry, you know, and I, and I think that that's, why this maybe certification has been so successful because so many people want to be a teacher. Um, I think the thing that would put most people off doing that is having to do the, the NQT, having to go and actually spend a year in the UK teaching, you know, and, and there is a way I think to do that in, in abroad. But I think the thing about this is you don't need to leave your job. You can keep working. You can get it in, did it take us nine months? I think it was nine months from start to finish, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. So, yeah, so look, I, I know we're getting close to time. Anything else you've got to add about the course? Because you've had some really good, some really good points about it. Um, well, it's the same as any course that you're going to do um, training-wise. I think it is possible to um, to treat the PGCI as a tick box exercise, as with anything. Um, and it, again, you, uh, my colleagues that have done it have said the same. You. you get out what you put in really you know you, you it's really there is there's some fantastic reading on the course um i mean that's the strength is the the core content is is really really interesting and engaging um yeah. so i would dedicate time to it 
don't read everything for you have to be you have to be kind of reading savvy you know because there's a lot to get through so you've got to be quite efficient but um yeah i definitely dedicate time and to, um, to to thinking about the reading critically as well yeah i think that's a good a good approach i think i did that in the first module and then I think second module, I did it a bit. And third one, it was just survival. I've just got to get this finished to just get it over with, you know? Like, I think there was a lot of circumstance. I had a child, obviously, another child. There was COVID here. That was, COVID was the big thing, really, you know, just disruption. The world was going crazy, you know? Um, do you think, I think most people got through it. I, I mean, just, I, I only know what's in our WhatsApp group. I know one or two people uh, finishing the third module. I don't know anyone that's dropped out. I mean, do you, do you or uh, do you think everyone got through it? No, I think some people just needed extensions for various reasons, right? As usual. But um, yeah, I think everyone's um, completed it. As far as I've, I haven't seen anyone drop out. Yeah. I mean, I would say in closing that like from my, my point of view, I'm not that, that academic. Uh, I got through it. Uh, I, I don't have any kind of arts background at all. I mean, in terms of I've never written an academic paper in my life, you know, and, and, I, and I got through it. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't be intimidated by it. I think if, if you, if you're thinking not to do it, cause you think it's hard. I think if you've got a, you've got a bachelor's degree, I think you need a bachelor's degree. I think, uh, I think if you have that basic level, I think, I think you could probably get through it in most cases. I don't think it's much harder. Um, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on the difficulty of it. No, I'd agree. Totally, totally doable. Um, yeah. you know, um, it's, I think it would it would be a nice um, course to do if you're thinking of doing a an MA. And you don't have a you know if, if you're thinking of as like the first sort of foundation um, module to do that would be a nice way to do it actually doing the PGCI and then moving on to get the rest of the credits of an MA. Yeah. It does have a, it does give you good grounding. I think. Exactly. And Nottingham. So I wasn't going to do an MA, but I just I, I finished because yeah, you're right because you get you've done a third of it. You can just finish if you if you had enough. You can or you can keep going and do the MA. Now you can carry on with Nottingham. I actually just found one at, at Sunderland, uh, which was um, it was cheaper and it was it looked a, like a bit um, more interesting than modules. So I just emailed them and he said, "Yeah, you can transfer the credits. Come in, you know." So in terms of a cost, uh, I think it was three three thousand something pounds. Was it? It was under four thousand pounds, wasn't it? The total cost. Which, which I think is yeah. Cool. Look, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, Pete, look, great to chat. Where, where can people find you online? I'll drop links into your blog and so, but do you want to just say what kind of, what, what kind of, what your website is or Twitter or anything? Uh, yeah, I'm blogging at um, ELT, ELTplanning.com. Uh, so it's just a blog for teachers, developing teachers, sharing ideas about um, language teaching, mainly EAL, um, that sort of thing. Materials writing as well, like how to get into writing your own resources for publishers. Cool, and hopefully we'll get you back for a, to talk about that because I think that is a really interesting topic. I've also got a Facebook group, Educated Entrepreneurs, with a lot of teachers doing entrepreneurial things. And I think writing materials, which you've done successfully, is is an interesting topic. So let's, let's chat about that in the future. Sure, yeah. Nice one. Cool. Thanks for having Thank me. You. Thanks for your time, man. All the best. Cheers.